Alright, hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Hacked History, my name is Lucas. Um, as always, I'm here with my my partner in crime, Mr. Jacob Klahaj. Jake, how are we doing today? I'll be held in arraignment in the Hague <laughs> on Tuesday. <laughs> this, uh, to be clear, this is something Jake was uh, required to say by law on the podcast. By law. <laughs> this is where he committed the war crimes that we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of war crimes. If you want to commit, if you want to put some money to Jake's Venmo or GoFundMe. I don't even have either of those things. I, I know. Um, anyway, but speaking of crimes, um, and crimes against society and things like that, we're going to be talking about one of those dudes today. Uh, we're going to be continuing on the propaganda series, um, that I started with the What is Propaganda episode. That was a pretty low-key episode. This one involves some research, and let me tell you, it might make you just a bit upset. Just a little bit upset. Um, but before we get into things, just some reminders. As always, you can find us at, on it, on Facebook, Hat History. You can find us on Instagram, at hacked underscore history. You can send us emails at hackedhistory101 at gmail.com. You can find us a lot of places. We're on TikTok. We're on Twitter. Um, yeah, basically just search Hacked History. You find that Abe Lincoln logo. You know it's us. You can go ahead and give us some ratings. We always love those. Um, questions, comments, feedback. All of it's good. Um, Jake, any questions or <laughs> concerns before we get going today? All I can say is when I see that top hat, I know I'm home. <laughs> that top hat feels like home. What is this like? Feels like, like home. Is this like goddamn like hotel commission? That this top hat. When I see that top hat, we'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> oh my god, Jesus! Are they even still operational? I don't even know. I think they are. Oh boy, <laughs> I think they're still a thing. All right, whatever but, hotel chain that is, then. Yeah, anyway. uh, all right. Anyway, so we're gonna start off by talking about a really uh, just great subject. We're gonna talk about what the concept of post truth means because <laughs> it's gonna be important to this entire episode. Um, first of all, we're going to be, the man we're covering today, his name is Trofim Lysenko. Um, he is, was, uh, one of the most influential Soviet scientists. Um, and it's pretty remarkable how he gets there. But first, we're going to start talking some conceptual things, because it's necessary to understand these things to understand where this episode is going to go. So, Jake, the first question I have for you Yo. is, when you think of the word fake news, what do you think about when you hear that word? So, obviously, it's a charged word nowadays, but what do, yeah. you, what do you think fake news is? What I think of fake news is, I take it sort of at the face value of its own terminology, meaning, like, it's news that's put out, but it's inaccurate, or it's just bullshit. Sure. So, I guess what I would say, my version of fake news is when Fox News got upset because they were going to change the color of the Eminem shoes. Okay, Or sure. that, um, I guess, Ben Shapiro got upset because he couldn't, like, jerk off to the thought of the... <laughs> whatever, whatever fucking thing it was. <laughs> that they were censoring the M&M's. And that yeah, thing. that they were censoring the M&M's, and especially the green one. Yeah, so when you think of fake news, a lot of people now at times will, like, start thinking about uh, how Republicans are, have used that word from, from liberals and how, you know, how... Um, Certain people like to toss that word around in our current society, but you know, fake news is okay. So, it, fake news is really just a concept uh, of a word that uh, it's really just a something that's like a it's skeletoning what post truth means because post truth um, is sort of the idea that something is true even though it cannot be backed up by any logical science or anything like that. Um, as like Oxford Dictionary. Dictionary defines <laughs> Oxford Dictionary defines post truth as point. <laughs> relating or. Or uh, relating it or uh, words. Do you want me to fucking read it for I you? I can do it. I can do it. Relating to or donating circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion that appeals to emotion and personal belief. So basically, what it's what that means is emotion and personal belief are more important than any sort of evidence you could find to back something up, which is okay. really close to a lot of what. Um, you know, that Fox News, Eminem sort, sort of shit is. Because, like, that whole thought process, it's like, well, what they're doing here is they're making, like, an impact on, like, how Americans view society. And this is really just Eminem striking at the heart of Americanism. Because that's what I and, feel like, is that it strikes at the heart. <laughs> the well, M&Ms. Well, but, can't, but, yeah, but the idea is, like, can you really defend that with any objective no, like, facts? No, you anything? fucking can't. <laughs> exactly, that's the point. That's exactly what 100% well, okay, the point so of the thing. while we're still on this tangent, what was the other thing that they tried to get upset about? Um, what about the M&M's? Not like, the M&M's, but they'd done something similar before the M&M's. Do you remember that I they can't had, remember. like, raised the whole, like, hell of a mess over something, like, completely Well, benign. I mean, like, the idea is that this stuff kind of exists, like, 
just it permeates through culture in numbers of ways. Like because like Christmas, right? Yeah. People oh, get it's upset the war on Christmas. Saying, that... Happy holidays, the oh, whole war yeah, on Christmas thing, true. and how yeah. this is striking at the heart of what Americans find to be like. It continues in like everything. Oh, you know, right? it's this not like a... we're uh, trying to separate <laughs> church and state <laughs> in a democracy. It's <laughs> well, supposed to be secular. I mean, that's, that's the point. But you know, that's a whole other whole other topic. Um, because so basically the idea is okay. So. A lot of this is more common now than it would have been in previous times, and one could argue that one of those reasons is because of the internet. Yeah, pretty so, much. I mean, Jake, what do you think? Okay, so like, what? I mean, I have my own opinion. We'll get to it, but what do you think the internet has done to objective reality as a whole? Like, uh, it has, in what I see, brought multiple different ob- people's objective realities into view where we hadn't had them before. So the ideas of like the socialite inner workings of, say, like, New York and Los Angeles, San Francisco, are now basically on the same playing field as people from, like, Wyoming's most remote areas or, like, in the Rocky Mountains, you know, like, the survivalist And I would argue, too, that with the connectivity, it's a way for those people that have those views to find other people that think the exact same way that they do. So it's really, it's sort of a way for all those people to come together to to find those meetings and things like that. Yeah. Thank you for speaking for me, by the way. (laughs) I, no, I was really off of your take, Jake. <laughs> I'm trying to define your objective truth. <laughs> you don't know what's good for you. Only I know what's good for you. Well, I mean, that's... Talking a, about propaganda. The funny thing is, when you say that, like, that's kind of where we're going to go here. Yeah. <laughs> with, with, with what happens, that's kind of where we're heading towards um, in this episode. But I would add ex- something extra to that, too, is that objective reality, too, did become a lot less like solid not solitary it, a lot less i'm trying to think not solid well solidified would be the word i would think of because it became almost a little bit more fluid oh yeah because, because people from other parts of the world could literally go on to and a resource that everyone has and mm-hmm. say turns out birds aren't real they're robots that have cameras in them that well, work yeah. for the government but and, you and i know that that's a bullshit conspiracy yeah, theory because i know there, that they're doing and that people do believe it yeah because, but you know, it, it comes down to, in my opinion, what people view as what authority is, and what people think is like places to find information. I.e., do your own research, sort of thing. Sort of thing, so, sort of like that. Because, like, if you think back to like before the internet, like people got their information from like defined places where like this is where information comes from, or things yeah. like that. And that, I mean, obviously, don't get me wrong. There are definitely people in conspiracy theories before the internet existed. This is not completely new. Yeah, but they were more within very small circles. Right, and the internet provided launching boards for some of this stuff. But the idea is that, like, you had, like, more... It was easier for people to agree on what authority was and, like, who should be trusted. Yeah. Whereas the internet kind of, like, expanded that to a lot more places and, and, you know, places you can get information from. um, And it makes it harder for people to get... It makes it easier for people to take authority from information and kind of glean that from other sources. Yeah. So, like, and I promise you that this is really, like, philosophical stuff here, but I promise it'll make sense because it's it's a good second well, to I where this is about it. to yeah. go. I because understand Because to understand it. what's about to happen with this um, sort of, like, case study in Soviet Russia, we have to understand a couple different things. And one of this is where the, why people believe where things are coming from. And, like, basically the, the infrastructure as to why this is important. Because yeah. this is going to be something we're going to build on as we talk about each of these propaganda topics. Is where what is what is the authority that this is coming from? Um, and kind of, like, being able to connect some of this stuff to modern times in some ways. And also, how do you legitimize even... I mean, t- talking from, say, like, a, a conspiracy theorist's perspective, you know, you do also have to somehow find the way to legitimize that authority so that you get... At least semi-credible people following it. Yeah. Not just, like, your uncle who always says the offhand shit at, like, the family dinner. Yeah. About, like, Jews and the government. Well, and that's, you know... That's actually a perfect sequitur to um, why some of these things catch on that I was going to bring up next is... What does it take people to believe in these falsities now versus then? So, we'll revisit this in the episode, but the idea is, like, the the question that you can kind of glean from that is, you know... Why do some of these people start to pick up the, these thoughts and beliefs even when they're not necessarily as prone to believe them at, you know, at like, uh, you know, right when they hear them? Yeah, yeah. So, like, in modern times, you could argue people that have conservative ideologies 
are more um, prone to believe in things like QAnon and things like that um, yeah. because their party is believing that, and that's how they kind of identify as, like, a Republican. So when you hear other people, other Republicans talking about these things, you might be more prone to pick those things up. And by the way, I'm not saying that liberals aren't prone to do, doing similar things. But, like, the thought process is, like, if you have something that constitutes a majority of, like, your whole belief system, it's easier when you hear people that you find as authorities on that belief system to say things, you're more prone to accept those things, right? Yeah, and I think, too, if you're talking within, like, conservatives, and obviously it isn't just conservatives, but, you know, conservatives team seem to be the most, like, obvious example of this, as far as I know, that... There are situations where just a conservative viewpoint is do not trust big authority. That is how their political viewpoint is set around, which mm -hmm. has some merit. But the problem is, at a point, it starts to become somewhat bastardized. Because then you have, don't trust big government because we all know big government is not capable of running local affairs, which makes sense. You can't have... A big government structure trying to run every small thing at every level because that's right. just not going to work. But then it starts to shift where it's like, well, all of a sudden you've got them saying, well, don't trust the climate scientists because they're on the government payroll. Don't trust the CDC people because they're on the government payroll. Fauci, don't trust him, which, I mean, you should fucking trust him at this point in time because we... <laughs> I would like to get back to some semblance of sanity. <laughs> um, but the problem with it is, you know... <clears throat> It starts to sort of bleed over into other areas. So where somebody might have been like, I just don't want big government because I feel like they don't have what it what I need to run like mm -hmm. local affairs. All of a sudden now you've got people saying like, I don't like big government because, you know, keeping, there's this conspiracy. They're keeping kids of, in their basement and eating them and, yeah. and then sexually molesting them and... We need to, That's why I gotta go to a ping pong pizza that has a basement that doesn't have a basement. What's funny then, though, is that you'll hear that it's like, well, that's what these senators are doing, but that's why I'm running for Senate, to stop these people from... And I know. <laughs> Everyone else is doing it except for me. Except for me. <laughs> Who's been in the Senate for quite a long time. <laughs> what's really funny it's like, it's what like, the hell? Right. What is uh, that argument? <laughs> um, okay, but now we're gonna cut, cover, like, a... But I wanna, like, sort of connect this to today's topic... So the next question I'm going to ask is, when is acknowledging reality and facts a bad idea for your career in life? So, like, in what situations would it be more beneficial for you? And, okay, this we can actually connect this to what we were talking about. But when is it more beneficial for you to adapt things that you may or may not believe in to sort of either gain you um, popularity or, like, prevent you from losing your your importance and things like that? I mean, I so, like to. To yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. You so to, say, to explain that to like the uh, political standpoint, I think it's undoubtedly that you hear people picking up rhetoric that is not necessarily things that they truthfully believe in. Yeah. To sort of keep themselves in that role of power, or to prevent themselves from losing their seats in Congress and Similar things like to that. Like Mitch McConnell. Right. Because just recently, Mitch McConnell got on the bandwagon with when uh, uh, Mike Pence basically said, you know, he had no power to overthrow the election back about a year ago. Right. And then Mitch McConnell was like, well, they really were. Uh, it was a real riot. I, it was bad. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> not at the time. That's not what not you said. Not right now for you after having <laughs> fucking flip-flopped. It's hard for me to not, like, distrust you, but, yeah. But then we're going to expand that, like, in this episode, when you think about, you know, the medieval, in the medieval ages, if your king was saying something and you were on the advisory board, you're probably more than likely going to agree with what he's saying if he's like, we're going to invade this land because this is the best decision. I am told <laughs> by God. And you're like, oh, what? God's talking to me now. Like, you know what? Like, I, I feel you, man. Like, that seemed like a great idea. Not like, hey, man, like, maybe we should not. To the dungeon with you. you know yeah, I, mean? I know, yeah. Because most cases, you would just be lost of your patronage, and that's not yeah, what you want. Yeah, and then, like, okay, then you also think about, like, dictatorships. Like, and what we're going to talk about today was Stalin. If Stalin says something is a good idea, you damn well better go ahead and clap well, and smile. Daddy says it's a good thing. Um, you better smile and clap. Otherwise, God help me. You may, I'm going to sick the NKVD on you and kill you. <laughs> you Put may, you in a shallow grave in the woods. <laughs> you may find yourself in prison in a gulag or in a shallow grave, as Jake just mentioned. Um, Most of them ended up there. <laughs> so essentially the comment that happened here is when someone has more power, believes in one thing, a lot of times people will agree with those things even if they don't actually agree with those things inside their head. And the people that don't agree with those things are usually weeded out, 
which uh, gives you a nice uh, vacuum of power. Oh, yeah, that's always good. We're going to discuss here. Um, uh, <laughs> we're going to discuss, discuss this specifically through the government adaption and support for a pseudoscience uh, that Lysenko starts. God damn. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a ride, man. But first, mm. before we get into Lysenko, we do have to talk about the political climate and culture of Soviet Russia. We did talk about this a little bit um, in one of our very first episodes about Joseph Stalin and, and the death of the Stalin. Death of Stalin series, but yeah. we haven't talked about this in uh, like literally tens of episodes and people may not have listened to those episodes and don't blame you. But if you're listening to this episode, we do have to explain it so you understand where this is coming from. <laughs> um, so it's heavily influenced by one figurehead, especially at the beginning of the Soviet not- structure, and that's Stalin. It's one source of knowledge to be looked at as final and correct. If Stalin says something, this is officially the party line. You go back to our Death of Stalin episode, we remember when he like liked to watch movies and shit like that. Yeah, he liked Westerns. People would literally stand up and clap and like keep clapping until Stalin stopped because if they were concerned that they didn't clap and like it as much as Stalin did, that he would take that as you might be like trying to sabotage me or things like yeah, that. Yeah. Like this man was paranoid beyond belief. So, like, people were really concerned that if they didn't support as much as they should have, he would just somehow throw them in a gulag or something or have them poisoned or killed. Well, like, uh, so, actually, well, you're getting two things. Well, not not to, um, to make you look stupid or whatever, but actually we're getting two things mixed up here. Is that the movies where it, he would just force his inner circle to watch them. Because mm-hmm. he liked them, and if you didn't like them, you're gonna get fucking executed. <laughs> I mean, some, some are what I the said. The clapping but... bit was more for like the public, but yeah, I mean, it, it's the same thing either it's way. The same concept, really. I, I mean... just, I just, I can hear in my mind's eye some angry history dirt, just like you're right. I'm yeah, stupid. That's not what it actually. Means. You're right. I'm stupid. Let me impale myself with a gulag. <laughs> with a gulag. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> what does that, that mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's not important. Um, so and I wasn't making fun of anybody no, in particular I mean, with that bit. I wanted to just make it seem like the fucking yes, yes. shit lords on the internet would be yelling so at us. So, I coined this little phrase, and I don't know if it works, but this is what I'm going to call this. I'm going to call this, go ahead and call this a culture of unionized capitulation. Good. <laughs> <laughs> now, Wait, what is that? By that, here's what I mean. <laughs> so, um, I define this as a culture that supports the overall domination of one ideology through mutual understanding and agreement that it is correct and right. And even when it's, and even when it is not what is best for, but even when it is wrong, it is still what is best for the community and the country as a whole. Yeah. So essentially saying that we are going to recognize this, this is being correct, even if we know that on the whole it may not be the most correct when you look at factual things. We recognize that because this man is saying this is what is best for the country, and because this man holds the power, we are going to then throw behind him our support because we believe this is still best, even if facts may not say that it's best. What I love about that statement is this. I have a local example, not a local example, but I have an example that works for that particular situation that you just talked about. Although, in this case, slightly different because the people yeah, go ahead. did not like it, but yet this is how they tried to, uh, to form it out and it didn't work, was that down in Nicaragua, where the country is run by a dictator, um, his wife, I think now... The f- the people down there <clears throat> are usually like ninety to eighty five. No, I think it's like seventy five to ninety percent of them are in, like in poverty of some kind. So it's a very poor country. But what they did was that as a spending measure, the dictator in that country decided to create metal trees and metal. have them erected in like the capital. <laughs> metal trees, huh? Okay. And, uh, actually, I just want to for for the sake of facts. Um, uh, let's see, trees cost, I want to remember yes, what it was that each of them cost. These it. trees will, sprout, <laughs> these trees will sprout the metallic fruit of our, of our yearn of country and. <laughs> okay. So here's what yeah. happened. They were made of metal decorated by 2.5 million tiny light bulbs in total. Oh God. Standing 42 to 56 feet tall. I don't like where this is going. They cost a reported 20,000 to 25,000 US dollars a piece. Jesus. And in total, $1 million to light annually. Let's be clear. We are not talking about like a rich country in, in this case. Like. They do not necessarily have the money to just throw around, like especially when people are starving in that country. Oh, and, and the problem was this: this the fact was that the dictator, his wife, and I think him and his wife are like, it's a beautification of the country, don't you see? Even though it's costing money that could be spent on far more smarter things, right? Um, so the, in this case, they're trying to, to basically pitch that, like, even though this may be seen on the surface as an idea, 
that is not going to benefit the country. We know best, so this is what is then best for the country yeah, because except, we are making that decision. Except in that position, the, the Nicaraguans, who know one thing or two about overthrowing a dictator, yeah. decided they weren't happy about it and ended up throwing a riot or So two. that's what we call union busting. That's union uh, busting. That's union busting of the capitulation. So yeah. <laughs> oh, God, no. actually, actually goes to my second continuation of this theory. Uh, the union can be busted when the leader dies, or when the leader's proven unfit, in that case. Um, <laughs> many historians would argue that the Soviet Union turned the corner to downward transition when Joseph Stalin died, as he can be seen as the downward transition, at least in like the the ideology, yeah. because every leader after Stalin was not as effective as he was, um, as can be seen by the events that were portrayed after Stalin's. This is not to say that the trend after Stalin's death was wholly downward, but rather to say that the objective reality building done by the Soviet government would never be as successful as it was after Stalin's death. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so basically, that's my concept. You can hate it if you, you want, but I think it's pretty solid. So anyway, um, <laughs> the continuing is to say, to be blessed by Stalin meant that you were as good as government policy, essentially. Yeah. If Stalin said something, there was no bill that needed to be written. There was no like law that needed to be passed. If Stalin said it, this is essentially what the government is going with. Oh, yeah, and, and you see that in a lot of, like, smaller dictatorships where the guy's, like, totally fucking insane. Yeah. And he's just like, everyone, we're all going to do this. This is a holiday, and if you don't <laughs> celebrate that holiday, I'm going to fucking murder your family. Pretty much. <laughs> Yay! Yay! It's like Kim Jong-un. That pretty much is Kim Jong-un. Yeah. Um, to be proven wrong by Stalin, let's be sentenced to death and punishment by the whole of the country, essentially. <laughs> if Stalin was like, oh, this is cool, and then... Nah, this guy's stupid. To death with him, essentially, and his family. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, this, this sort of concept led, led to many ideas that could be wrong in terms of logical fact, but were embraced as right and developed despite large portions of evidence to the contrary, which is what we're going to talk about today. Right, as we know, facts don't fucking matter. <laughs> essentially, this is like the disproval of facts in regards to one person's opinion. Um, thus, the, fa- the concepts of post-truth are well at work in Soviet-era Russia. That's to say, the concepts of fake news and post-truth were not invented in modern America, nor were they invented in Soviet Russia. They were in long existence in, in history uh, in so many ways. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's stories upon stories of these things. However, the emergence of Lysenko as a top scientist of the Soviet Union would bring about some of the most obviously bastardized science of the modern Woo! age. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> um... Some useful background information about what Lysenko is about and what the science is that he's going to be talking about because it's useful to at least understand what the hell is going to be happening here. Okay. Before we get into the meat of the story, we will need to talk a little bit about genetics. So, like, Lysenko is famous for his rebuttal of what was commonly thought to be and is now proven to be the basis for modern genetics theory, otherwise known as the process of Mendelian genetics. Okay. So the idea that living organisms' characteristics are passed on from generation to, 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 to generation. So, I have blue eyes... Because my father and my mother's genetics combined and they gave me blue eyes. My yeah. father has brown eyes, my mother has blue eyes, that's dominant recessive traits. But the idea is that I got passed down genetic-wise blue eyes because one of my ancestors also had those eyes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not the result of something you could just grow or, or morph to in your lifetime. So you can't acquire something just by living experiences. Okay. So I cannot gain blue eyes from walking seven miles or chopping down a couple of trees. Or, or like, I can't gain blue eyes because it'd be easier for me to hide in the wild because I had blue eyes. Have you tried, like though? <laughs> Have you tried, I'm though? I'm looking at you, fancy video games. You can't just gain blue eyes for adaptations. I <laughs> think <laughs> um, called Mendelian genetics bourgeois pseudoscience. <laughs> That's a direct quote. Oh Oh, god. Uh, Instead, Lysenko believed in in Lamarckian inheritance. The now discredited belief basically says uh, it's the idea that organisms could pass uh, on physical characteristics based on use or disuse in its lifetime. Okay. So it's the concept like the giraffe, right? Alright. So the giraffe needed to reach higher food sources. It had a short neck. Over time, the belief is that he would grow a longer neck, literally, to reach the food source he was trying to get to. <laughs> that, <laughs> then he, he could then pass on that la- the long neck to his offsprings. So, on the surface, it sounds really freaking stupid, right? Yeah. Um, but giraffes do have long necks, and it's true that the giraffes that had longer necks would survive versus the giraffes that did not have longer necks. So what it But that's the result was... of survival of the fittest because they could reach yeah. the food source and pass on their genetics and, and, you know, reproduce versus the smaller ones who could not. See, the, yeah, I think, yeah, the difference there is that 
just regular adaptation and evolution Darwinian style is literally adaptations happen only because the successful ones are there. There are probably a hundred adaptations of one species, and those adaptations have died out bar maybe like five percent right. of them that that actually worked. Because, but in this case, he's literally saying that a giraffe is fucking willing itself to have a longer neck. <laughs> basically, to reach the branches in a tree. Basically, and you can see why this would be appealing to the Soviet idea of like life and work, because the Soviets believed if you just worked hard enough, you would somehow wow. just rise to to fame, and the collective would just rise to prosperity. What it almost together. sounds like is what my fucking grandparents were told when they were growing up in the fifties. I mean, hard work will get you anywhere. Here's the thing: is like. These philosophies are not as nearly separate as some people think oh, they God, are. No. They are there are a lot of binding characteristics what? here. No. Um, so, but I mean, so, but obviously, in reality, these changes to drafts and things like that are really natural selection and Darwinian evolution, as Jake and I just talked about. Yeah. So Lysenko will become the most powerful scientist in Soviet history eventually. Uh, he'll, his his ideas and uh, his eventual scorn will result in thousands of scientists being fired or killed. <laughs> and or executed or all of the above in oh, some cases. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the idea is so before we get into this is why would people be prone to believe in what Lysenko was saying? So one of the things is he gave supposed answers to food production issues the country the country was facing. Yep. So the Soviet Union was plagued for years and years and years for the ability to not be able to f- to like actually feed all those people. Starvation and things like that were happening all over the country. So the thought was if he could provide these answers, then clearly you'd want to embrace what he's saying, right? It, yeah. That's the yeah. idea. Um, he was also very good at public speaking, so he was very good at giving speeches. He was a good-looking man, <laughs> so essentially he was just a really, really good politician. People liked what he, people liked to listen to what he had to say, regardless of what the facts would say behind what he's saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have here is uh, Lysenko is the Russian version of Chad Bradderson. <laughs> Chad Bradderson. Oh, he's making a comeback. Essentially, he's just very good-looking. Um, he says a lot of smart things that sound smart. But in the whole reality, he has no actual facts to back these things up. <laughs> and basically, um, also, the government did not listen to science that didn't hold substance with, with uh, basically Soviet ideology. Yeah. So but, so, but also, like, not all Soviet science is bad. The government did put a, quite a lot of money and effort into Soviet science, so not all of this is pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of put this out before we get going here, uh, they did make some notable progress in things like space, um, in physics, and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then again, they won Nobel prizes and and everything like that. But they also thought the theory of general relativity was too idealistic to be true. It's too idealistic. <laughs> yeah. So basically, like they like pick and chose what they wanted to believe from Western philosophy and science, and what they basically decided was just not true based on their party thoughts. Why does that also sound like something that we've seen before? <laughs> it happens. Like it happens. People pick and choose facts to 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 you know to side with whatever ideology they're going with. It's very rare in history that you find people that take facts and use that as their sole um, evidence for things. It just doesn't happen, unfortunately. Yeah, no. Um, it's <laughs> another fact to this point. Vladimir Lenin expressed disappointment that the Soviet state would need to be built using ideas that did not result from people who held the same ideology as, as himself and his colleagues. Oh, naturally, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but, the, but then, to kind of build off of that, Lysenko provided the Soviets an, a, a way to rebut general ideas about plants and genetics, and basically to build off of someone who is basically saying, these things are not true. What I'm saying, the Soviet way... This is the way that we can be proud of because a Soviet scientist came up with these ideas about genetics and I did all this, so we're awesome, essentially. Yeah, yeah. it's basically the idea of, like, saying... Uh, okay, it's a weird, I mean, weird comprehension for me to, yeah. to put it into perspective, but it's kind of the same as, like, when white uh, white singers would literally just take black singers' music and go like, No! Yeah, no! Yeah, I mean, essentially, it, 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 yeah, it's fed into racism in that way. Exactly. Um, it's racist in that way, but it's basically the same it's concept. It's the same sort of concept, yeah. Um, I have it here. Uh, essentially, what this is, it's, it's nationalism for science. <laughs> it's like saying, this scientific belief is purely better because it came from the mind of a communist researcher and scientist. God damn it. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, you're not done being oh, all yeah. Wait until we no, get to the details. Let's go. Okay, so now we're going to get into um, true. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> now we're going to Trofim Lysenko himself. Uh, we're going to talk about his career. 
So he oh, comes from God. humble origins. He was born in a Ukrainian village on December 30th, 1898. Mm. Um, so in his whole life, we're going to see a pattern here. He's not really interested in science. He's interested in using science he's to obtain not the... interested in science. No, he's, he's, he's interested <laughs> in using science to obtain the power and the prestige that comes from science. Oh, naturally, yeah. He basically uses science to get political power. Oh, that's always good. <laughs> he was that born... sounds like a Bond villain. Oh, it's awful. So he's born the eldest of um, all of the children of the family. He has lots of work and responsibilities to do. Um, he really doesn't have any formal education until until age thirteen. What? Are, okay, so what? Are, what do his parents do? Did you get any information? Um, I don't have. I, I don't really have. A, so he was. There were peasants. So okay, so he we're comes from a they were peasant upbringing. So he was a farm. Yeah, working on the farm and tilling the fields and things like okay, that. Okay, okay. That I do know. I'm sorry. Um, he, right. he went through two years of foundational school in which he learned how to read and write um, to like you know a pretty basic level. Um, he has two years of trade school after that where he starts like his agricultural education. Yeah. Um, and then usually after that, people would, especially in peasantry, would go into you know more, um, you know like they would have like a little bit of upper jobs because he does have some education. Yeah. Um, but they wouldn't be doing anything like running anything or anything like that. They would basically just be assistants and you know field tills and things like that. But they'd be more educated to so be treated more well. Yeah. He didn't want to do this. He wanted to um, further his um, agricultural education, so he tries to get into a school a couple hundreds of miles away in another town um, in the Ukraine. Yeah. Um, he tries to get in, and he has got, like, the fundamentals down, but they also have, like, for whatever reason, the school also had, like, a religious aspect that you had to pass to get in. Like, you had to, <laughs> to know, like, Eastern Orthodox scriptures and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't fail. He fails the first time, but he gets in. Uh, the year he gets in, though, is 1917. Oh, nice. <laughs> so he gets in right in, during the middle of World War I um, and also in the middle of the <laughs> Russian Civil War. Oh, my Jesus. <laughs> so oh, Also, if you, if you should, 1917, right? Yeah. That is literally when the war starts, I think. <laughs> Isn't that the one they like, got out of it? Uh, yes, but that's during the Russian Civil War. So, oh. <laughs> they get World War One, but there's a Russian Civil War going on here. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and the Reds and the Whites of, the, of like, the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks are fighting. Um, so, the, like, the curriculum in this school is constantly getting changed versus <laughs> oh who's taking power. <laughs> I just, in my mind's eye, sorry, I'm thinking of it like this. He's just sitting in a classroom in, like, an asshole of nowhere. And all of a sudden, he's like, and so uh, what you'll do is you'll turn through page uh, 35 in your textbooks, and then all of a sudden, a red Russian will just come up and just shoot him in the head, <laughs> just, and then just kick his body over. No. Going, what? You're <laughs> all changing books. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Sergei, shut up. Shut up, Sergei. <laughs> hey, hey, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> you mistake me for a person who gives a shit. <laughs> They weren't anyway. They weren't Nigerian boat captains. Jesus Christ. Anyhow, what we are going to do is this: you're going to change over to different textbooks. What you're going to do is, in the back, I see you. I see you. Don't think I don't see you. If I have to tell you again, I'll move okay. to front. Jake's having a Russian education face. We're going to cut him off here. No, shut up. We're not done with the bit yet. Finish the bit. God damn it! I don't even do bits this long. <laughs> comes in comes in the next guy he doesn't even get to finish the sentence the next you just comes just in just comes shoots, shoots you <laughs> no take back that textbook off the ground yeah it's basically that sort of thing right um, but God, eventually the, so the reds end up taking the city uh, they take most of the country and it turns into a pretty communist obviously yeah, on educational system um, so then in 1921, he's sent to a communist Kiev agricultural school. He finishes in 1925. He's sent to communist... Oh, Kiev. Kiev. I thought you said Cuba. I'm like, what <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> he goes to Cuba. No, he doesn't. No. Um, he goes to another agricultural school. Um, he kind of finishes education in 1925, and then he does not go on to further university. He's done after this. Nice. All right. <laughs> um, Two years, and then we're done. Um, <laughs> he gets his job as a... Um, Beat selection uh, specialist. Bean. A beat. B e a t. Oh wow! That's so basically more he's than like I he's, he's like the white troop, but he's uh, in Soviet Russia. Oh god. <laughs> oh. Um. So he tries to test out some ideas. Um. They fail. Um, okay. Which um, is kind of the theme of his career. He's going to test a lot of ideas. Failure. He's going to say Good. a lot of things, but he's still going to keep moving up. <laughs> it's kind of the theme of his career. Um, so he, and he, even in this job, he's, he's a beat guy, but he's trying to, to develop a new and better version of the tomato. So he's not only, <laughs> what do you mean better version of the tomato? So he's trying to, well, to develop one that like can produce more and like be more effectively give yeah. more yield for tomatoes. I mean, I get a, uh, yeah, that's true. It just seems like the way that you make it sound is like, we're just going to make it 
but it, it's gonna have. Like, just, I mean, gonna he, be here's the thing: is he's not far off. It's like that sort of rhetoric is basically what he does his entire career. Like it's it's basically him just saying things are better without providing any evidence to support those things. Cool. <laughs> he, so he rides the rocket. S- he rides the rocket of failure to success. So he basically, <laughs> what he's doing is he's using a fifth and sixth grade logic system when you haven't read the book, but yet you've got to give the presentation. Oh yeah, no, his whole career is basically saying like. And this book was, let me tell you, I learned a lot of things in this book, and this book is something people should read. Uh, there's just the main characters, which is so, they're so incredible that, like, I learned a lot about Get myself. Get on with it! <laughs> it's basically that type of shit. He's talking about, like, <laughs> this really changed my life, and the... A hundred percent more knowledge. Hundred and ten percent more knowledge 110%, about these things. Hundred and thirteen. No, he just throws around numbers because the thing you need to understand. We'll get to this. This guy has no concept of math or how it works. Oh, great! He cannot read numbers in like effective ways. Wait, are you telling me he's literally unable to read numbers? No, he can read numbers. But, okay, okay. But he has no idea how to apply them because he doesn't really understand those things. Okay. Nor does he understand the scientific method okay. or how to do research. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't God. understand how to run a study. Like, this, what the fuck? <laughs> this guy doesn't understand any of these things. Oh my Jesus. Um, so 1922, we discussed that 1925 he finishes his school, no training in math. He yeah. doesn't have a degree from university or anything. He doesn't have a master's, a doctorate. He doesn't really have a bachelor's. Or he doesn't have a degree from university. Okay, so basically he's an undegreed, he's a non-degreed fucking just <laughs> he also, some guy who's decided that he's going to just throw his hat in the ring. Oh, it gets better. So he oh. also has an overt hostility to foreign research. <laughs> What the fuck? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't trust Western scientific research. I, I guess. Um, he um, in, he says basically you should draw your own conclusions. Um, never, oh, never, <laughs> never trust Western research or authorities. You never know when they will try to mislead you. <laughs> to be honest, though, that's kind of like the Soviet ideals. Was just like anything American. Don't believe it. Don't believe any of it. Well, no matter, yeah, no matter how factual it may be. Don't I mean, we're not to the point now where it's, like, just Americans. It's, like, German, English, French. Like, don't trust any yeah. of that research because it's done by Western scientists. Yeah. Naturally. Um, <laughs> it's you and your fucking nowhere hut with no degree who's unable to use numbers and applications and is hostile to anything outside the country. It's just going to come to the oh, best I, conclusion. I love how angry you're getting because it's just going to get so much No, worse. I'm happy. I'm going to blow the mic out I'm so mad right now. Fuck you, <laughs> so then he's appointed to be a, a junior plant research specialist uh, with the goal of finding out new and faster ways to grow crops. Okay, um, great. That's so, okay, that makes sense because the country it needs new ways to grow crops. So, you know, Can we have sense. the guy who's placing people be executed, please? <laughs> Given task of finding... You were... Save your anger. It gets so much worse. Oh, Jesus. Given task of finding out ways, new ways to grow legumes that could survive winter. So, the idea is if you... In these things were used to, like... Feed uh, feed animals and things like that. So to keep your animals more well fed, um, to basically free up your resources to concentrate more on getting better yields and things like that. Um, (laughs) He then this actually is like one of one of the like the things he actually like doesn't fail at because he he figures out how to grow like uh, peas that that grow more effectively um, to like enrich like things. So he had some success with these, Um, but then basically he kind of just like lets this go. Like, he doesn't do anything more with that. He just got bored of it and fucked up somewhere else. <laughs> um, basically, like, but basically, like, so what happens, like, before that happens, though, is that a research, the research facility is, is visited by a writer and journalist from the Pravda Soviet newspaper. Okay. Um, and basically what happens is, like, Senko just charms this guy, tells him all about how the research was happening and how he grew these peas that, like, survived winter better and were able to help feed livestock. <laughs> He's hailed as a humble peasant scientist innovator. Uh, oh, just no background check. For planting winter crops to Holy save the shit. Turkish peasants. <laughs> He's basically, and they talk about him here as having many followers that are like scientists that are trying to like follow his philosophies. And he's looked at as a hero of all the Soviet Union already. Oh <laughs> so he does one thing. Does not repeat it, does not try to expand upon it, nor does he have, like, scientific proof that this is going to happen more than once, nor does he understand how to repeat this process. But this newspaper is already hailing him as a hero for figuring out this philosophy. Jesus. Um, I love just how they went from zero to 60. They just met him, yeah. he smooth-talked the guy from Pravda, <laughs> yep. and then Pravda was just like, this guy is the next cousin of Jesus. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. The podcast I was listening to uh, <laughs> compared that to um, him um, 
of, of being like sucked off, sucking off. The, oh the God! Trailers. Oh Jesus! Um, oh, but no. basically, um, so he was assigned multiple student aides, of course, under this, under him because Were he's they a all leader now. Him off too, uh, no, so he marries one of his student aides that's under him, so he gets oh. a wife. Oh, okay. My boy, last Sanko fucks. Okay. Oh, okay, that was um, not how I wanted to. <laughs> Great. Wait, that's you. Let's just put that as a quote. <laughs> That we can just throw out there when you get important and popular. <laughs> Trump um, like Seiko fucks. I th- by the way, I think we need Lucas to get... Jagodisky 2022. <laughs> th- I think we need to make shirts with like a um with like a piece of wheat that say um <laughs> that say bourgeois pseudoscience on that. It's no way. I was gonna say it should be a two sided shirt where it just says. It's the it's the committee of bourgeois pseudoscience, yes, like the Soviet yes. Union crest emblem, and then on the back, it's just got the list of people and, that have been oh, made no. up pseudoscientists, and at the bottom, it just says it's sort of like a really fancy font, Lysenko fucks, and you know it. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Uh, so he abandons the peas work in 1927. He starts experimenting with the effect on cold temps on plants. Okay. Okay. So. Okay, this is this seems logical, right? Because like temperature has an effect on plant growth. Yeah. The problem is these things have already been studied. Like he's doing thing research for things that have already been in in, in no known. Okay. So, so let me guess, it's done by Western researchers. No, no it's actually done. Uh, it's not clear um, from the research that I did exactly who came up with these things. Um, but he starts so spring varieties versus winter varieties of like wheat and things like that. People, people probably came up um, with this so, just through years of experimentation well, so, on their own. I mean, essentially, you stop moving your mic; he keeps messing with my audio. <laughs> essentially, what he's doing here is um, basically he's saying, okay, so winter varieties of like wheat and things like that are more resistant to um, you know cold and temps and things like Which that. Which they are, yeah. So and and why don't we plant them in the spring? Because it will take little take little work to go ahead and make sure that they grow because they already grow in the winter. No. So if we plant them in the spring in ideal conditions, no. you will have to do less work is what he's saying. No. <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> well that's what he's saying. That's that's his that's his that's his uh, oh, thesis okay. here. Should we take a um, minute to just explain Go the ahead, Jake. Behind that? Okay. So, <laughs> you seem upset, so go ahead. What he's basically saying is this. Seeing as Russia is in close, most of it's pretty close to the Arctic Circle, especially Siberia and... Winters are tough. Yeah, winter's, winter's a bit of a unit. Um, it's an absolute unit. It's an absolute unit out there. <laughs> um, what happens is that, ideally, you're going to want something that will be able to weather the shorter or colder temperatures and probably like the shorter, I guess, warm summer seasons up there. Right. And his mentality is this, if I got this correct... Yeah. <laughs> um, is that he says that if we take something that's more acclimated to colder temperatures and put it in warmer climate, it's going to go <laughs> faster and better. Right, because yeah, his thing is like, in the winter, you don't have to maintain it as much and it survives cold temperatures. So if we put it in ideal conditions... That's why they will... call it winter wheat, not fucking midsummer wheat. <laughs> No, and his idea is on a concept of, like, vernalization about, like, how winter crops um, can form, like, spikes. He just of- took, and he took two semi-connected pieces and just went, it fucking like, goes the together. Thing is, if, you're, if you're in the audience trying to make sense of this, this is going to sound like fucking pseudoscience bullshit because it's probably, exactly what it is. You probably know why is that the people he's appealing this to are people who know <laughs> fucking nothing about exactly, agriculture. because, okay, Jake, and here's the thing. He's not trying to convince other scientists that he's the, the things he's... people and politicians. Exactly. That's all he cares about in his entire career. Oh it's not about God. convincing other scientists. His oh whole thing God. is, let me have the popular support, and then it will not matter what other scientists say, because as long as the people believe what I'm saying, it will hold no... <laughs> it won't matter what the scientists think. It's his whole thing. So, so it's <laughs> kind of akin to, like, when... When the last president told the climate scientists that they were bullshit artists, and then he said, "Why did you go out and rake the woods to stop the forest <laughs> yes, fires from yes, happening?" Yes, essentially, essentially, that's the real Same. problem. <laughs> Here, the thing is, like, we are in the beginning of his career. We are not even like you're gonna. Get to, if you're stopping me now, you're gonna get so much more upset. It gets so absurd. Jake. I need to pause myself from getting upset because I'm gonna punch the mic stand. If we keep going. <laughs> um. So okay. So you're right, though. This the, he's largely trying to expand on research. Not even trying to expand. He's copying the methods and like things that for research that was already done in Germany and France and like, as early as 1858. Okay, like all of this data was taken down before because you can imagine 
people yeah. were curious about this. Oh yeah. So I you mean, copy men, the men. De- oh men, men, fucking Christ. Menvedev. I think I'm pronouncing. Yeah, Menvedev. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly yeah, who's the yeah. man who came up with the idea of like dominant and recessive trait genes. Right, and like in the idea... I think he had done that in the early 1800s. Yeah, mid 1800s. Well, 1858. Yeah, that's, 1858. Yeah. I didn't copy the name because I didn't know how to spell it, and I was not gonna. I was not gonna play I think with it was that. Menvedev. You're right. No, Menvedev. that was it. That was it. I, yeah. I remember that from the research, but. Um, so <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're Shut right. up and let's move Shut on. Shut up. No, I'm just but he copies all these methodologies and all this data and, and like, and he basically, I'm no doubt he fudged some of this data because why not? But like his agents and his agents and stuff are like working under him, like doing this. And he basically asserts that he invented all these concepts and like the whole thing. And he ends up calling this vernalization. So the idea that like the winter, the, the spikes that would form in the winter wheat would somehow like make it better and more productive in, in the spring. It, okay. It's all bullshit, okay? So, okay. Oh, no, yeah, I, I know. So that now we're... sounds right. We're in 1929. Okay. So he goes to a major scientific conference, and it's a chance for him to present his quote-unquote research to other scientists and leaders in Soviet Russia. Um, the idea was... Mm-hmm. <laughs> the idea to, 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 to sow winter grain as a spring crop, claim that if winter wheat was planted in spring, more production and less effort, with no evidence to back it up at all. Scientific colleagues were obviously unimpressed. <laughs> oh, thank God. Wasn't, yeah, okay. <laughs> but he wasn't concerned because he wanted to capture the journalist's opinion. So in fall 1929, he talks to, <laughs> he talks to Pravda again. <laughs> so it's just to be sure for people As who don't do. know, Pravda is the official newspaper of the Soviet Union. Yes. Um, uh, they are an article about Lysenko's ideas. Uh, he tells them a story about how he went to his own father, who's a okay. And to be clear, all of this is bullshit. Yeah, no. But he, he talks about how he's gonna this. go to like his own father. He went to his own father before the conference that he went to. Told his father about, hey, listen, I've got, I'm gonna present this paper with this evidence that shows that if you sow winter wheat in the spring, you're gonna double like your quadruple your production or whatever. Double your yeah. And basically, he's a spin doctor. Profit. <laughs> and and like, profit. allegedly, his father was like viewed as like this heretic, and all the other farmers in the community were calling he was him crazy. Viewed as a heretic. All the other farmers in the community were like, no, this will never work. You're stupid. And of course, the end of the story is his father planting this, and and like his production's going off the chain, and all the other farmers are wrong, and and, and all of this is fictional. Uh, he did he did absolutely none of this. None of this actually happened. God damn it! It's all fictional. God damn it! <laughs> so based on this, I can't wait for this to backfire horribly. So hold hold on. Oh God no! So basically, the scientific community now is forced to start considering some of these ideas because. Because they're being, because they're being given presidents in like Pravda. This is aggressively being shoved by the party. Now, line. basically, the scientists like have to, but it's like it's still kind of interesting because it's still not like full on like endorsement. Because in 1929, a Russian scientific magazine started to say the idea was not bad necessarily, but needed more research. Uh, Oh sure. God, no! You don't get to. It's not bad. It's not, but it's it's um, not good, but, but it's not terrible. You can't do that with shit like this. <laughs> Basically, this started ensuring the press and the people around the country now that scientists were saying that there might be some merit to this, some of these ideas. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> and then experiment. And then the, the same newspaper, the Agricultural Gazette, posted an article, um, basically rared on by the party, saying that experimental sewing techniques declared as a crowning achievement in food production. Oh my fucking god! Ignored previous caution of the other scientists and basically just said that this worked. <laughs> and then this leads to another prime promotion. Is no one is nobody gonna just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> right now, just say no. And, and this, of course, led to another pres- promotion for Lysenko, who is now named the head of a of a new laboratory. Oh my god! Again, now, so you, you think maybe okay? So now Lysenko is the head of this laboratory. Uh, he's definitely Jesus. got the resources now to go ahead and prove. Oh, thank God, he's got the right? fucking resources to prove it. So he does not attempt to prove his grain sowing techniques, oh. even though he has all of the resources. <laughs> oh my Jesus! Instead, he sends out me- messages and questionnaires to farmers all around the, around the area, asking them to go ahead. And, and use his techniques and report back results. <laughs> I just have no words, man. I so don't know what to he say. Doesn't, so he doesn't understand the difference between um, reports and numbers that are coming straight from farmers to um, actual scientific experiments used with, with controlled groups and things like that. He doesn't understand mm-hmm. these things, so he thinks these numbers coming back are good as gold, essentially. So, yeah, it's basically like saying, like, 
See, look, it's proof. It's proof. See, you don't have this to is, look at so This is almost like a combination of like his on like non knowledge of like how the scientific method God. works to his just overall just burgeoning pride oh. that everything he does is gold essentially. Um, so the newspapers start running propaganda for him, of course, again some more. Um, and they Dude, start. I, by the way, not to cut you off for pause, but I'd love to know this guy's childhood in a more detailed format. Oh, if I... anybody knows. <laughs> Yeah, because hell, <laughs> he had to have been the most insufferable child. <laughs> so, okay, so newspapers now, like local newspapers, start running more propaganda forms. Not even Pravda, just local newspapers. Oh yeah, yeah. And Which they start running it. Now you just dissent. They start running. T- they start running titles like "Enemies that Work in the Granary" or "Oh Kulaks." You mean? Or, or basically, basically, they start running other stories like um, with things like uh, basically saying that they would teach anti-Lysenko farmers and and, and supporters a, a lesson. So when you say teach, you mean shoot right i they don't go into more detail but like these are just basically some of the things that start appearing in newspapers so basically they're teaching the public to start adapting some of these things oh my god <laughs> he's literally he's literally taking his as a result of some of these things of course the farmers are going to start fudging their data because they they they're getting these questionnaires from lysenko and his yeah associates. They also you're okay so it's a great point for us to remember to tell people that this is a good time to remember that the Soviet system did not like failure. It, it encouraged did success not. whether it was real or not. <laughs> it wanted. So that's why, you know, when you talked about like the Soviet era, especially mm-hmm. most people who lived during that time in Russia or in any part of the Soviet Union, especially in the factories, mm-hmm. would always talk about the fucking uh Oh god damn it! The quotas, the production quotas that oh, they were I'm required glad, I'm glad to do. You, listen, I'm glad you brought up that word because listen, the questionnaire data from the farmers was obviously an overwhelming success, right? Yeah. So the bad data then was used by Lysenko and his colleagues to create quotas for farms to to meet. <laughs> <laughs> And it caused the expansion of the practice of fertilization and sowing winter wheat in the spring with little to no evidence. Everyone's a fucking idiot in this story. (laughs) Almost yanked out the mic. They were using the lots to create new lots to to expand the process. Okay, so in early 1930, um, Lysenko was invented to present a, a paper to the highest scientific body in the land um, where party leaders and science science uh, experts were there, and he pitched the importance of effectiveness of the practices that he again has no evidence for. I just want to punch. In 1931, right now. the government officially picked up the process. Um, it basically started enhancing it and basically saying that this was real. Mm-hmm. Again, with no data, the government started, uh, and the government even started a scientific magazine, uh, ma- ma- magazine all about fertilization and the sowing of winter wheat. Oh for- no! So the government is now giving this man a magazine <laughs> for him to publish articles they and gave ideas him in. A magazine? Yeah, he had a whole. He's in his own journal about oh, how this all worked. Oh, God. So then he starts responding to God, skepticism. No. <laughs> Basically, so one of the, and this is where he starts picking up one of his main um, ideas to respond to skeptics in the scientific community. So people will say things like, oh, so there's no, like, scientific proof, and, you know, you have to, like, actually support this with data. Then he would just yeah. give an impressive number by saying, like, listen, um, in this one circumstance, I, quadru- I quadrupled the production of this plan's... Um, of the of this uh, of the wheat yields um, for this one town just by changing the temperatures that this was uh, generated in, and then he would stop. He wouldn't say anything else. He wouldn't back it up with any statistics. He would just give a fact that sounded so impressive that people would have to hear it, and they wouldn't argue with it because it was positive. Oh God. Okay. So scientists obviously kept trying to dispute him. Um, they said it was impossible to do what he was claiming. He just bolsters the claims and refuses to back down. Oh, God. In December 1931, he received his first government award for fertilization, despite the reality that no one was using it. <laughs> so it's just in, so weird. In 1931, he's given an award for something no one is using, but it's viewed as a fact, objective truth, so obviously if it's vi- viewed as like this great success, then why not give him an award for it? In 1934, he's... What do you mean, just give him a reward for it? <laughs> What do you mean by that? I'm just talking. About- I know, but no. 
God bless America. In 1934, he's elected as a member of a scientific elite officially. He's given an elite posting within like the Soviet Union as a scientist. As you do. And in 1935, this is near when his career really takes off. Uh, as he he attends a Kremlin conference attended by the leader Stalin himself. Oh no! So he's, he, gives, he goes and gives a speech, um, specifically about fertilization. Uh, he accuses scientific colleagues of sabotage, claiming other scientists didn't help the collective efforts of the country. Oh, called them class warfare enemies, essentially. Oh, wow. Claimed nice. sabotage to the true scientific methodology. And, and when he said that, he talked about how they were opposing the methodology that Stalin himself was preaching. And of course, Stalin was in the audience. audience. Stalin stands up, starts clapping, and shouts, Bravo, Lysenko! Bravo! <laughs> So basically, this man has just received a standing ovation from Stalin over the mythical process that no one is practicing, <laughs> that everyone has been forced so far to accept as objective reality or else. I am going to keep my mouth shut. So of course now, or right now. So of course now, Lysenko is then appointed the top scientist in the country. Okay. <laughs> Lysenko receives then another prestigious appointment. What he is given top scientist in the country. What? Basically, he's just I, I fucking blanked. I had gone somewhere yeah, else. He's appointed mind. to be the top scientist of the country. Okay. Um, he's given the highest Soviet honor, the Order of Lenin. <laughs> that oh god no. For all of his accomplishments, oh, god, quote unquote. No. no, 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 no. Okay, so it's at this point that actual fertilization data starts going coming in, which is not good for him. <laughs> Um, it's proving fertilization gives no useful impact on yield. Farmers forced to farmers are actually forced to double the amount of seeds that they are using to achieve the same amount of production they were getting. Yeah. So in the all, farmers would have been better if if Lysenko had never even said any of these ideas. So yeah, it's almost <laughs> like he's a bullshit artist, and we shouldn't be listening. So in 1936, scientists are still trying to get Lysenko to use modern genetics. They're still trying to push him for him to like, accept these things to oh, to make him understand essentially that his ideas are bullshit. Um, but then they'll say the the protlessanko scientists are backing him up, saying genetics is a harmful, it's harmful and not useful at all to scientists. <laughs> so Lysenko also did not believe in the use of genes for inheritance. Oh God! So how the fuck did he just assume that people? Well, no, no. Lysenko, we Lysenko then said he would just turn winter forms of wheat directly into spring wheat. Maybe he would just turn it into. He just said he would. Wait, you just not, you're not Jesus. You can't just will it into some he other. Basically, format. just said that using the principles that he was talking about with fertilization, you could just turn winter wheat into spring wheat. What the fuck is this argument? <laughs> so the press reports are favorable, and and now it becomes the country's line to tell essentially. Oh uh, god. 1938 brings the widespread sabotage allegations to start. Oh wow. Lysenko becomes head of the Russian Science Academy. <laughs> he oh, starts he cuts the staff of the Science Academy by one half. <laughs> Fucking yeah. It becomes the party policy to follow Lysenkoism and not utilize scientific research. I am so upset right he now. He starts cracking down on non-Lysenko scientists. Oh god. Um, he starts <laughs> dis discrediting Lysenkoism becomes illegal. Um so basically, it becomes illegal to practice science in these years. Does uh, it now? And it, 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 it becomes it involves... illegal to practice science. <laughs> basically, what years were these, by the way? Um, so this is like uh, starting in 1938. Probably what a fucking surprise! Probably Regular like... science wasn't allowed in the 30s. <laughs> probably to, like the fall of Stalin, essentially. <laughs> to the fall of a lot of things. Um, so and then basically, people start signing false uh, confessions that they've oh, basically committed crimes against the party. As you in do. 1948, um, <laughs> one school of Sankoism even more so expands. A full purge begins. He starts summoning anyone in the scientific community and brings forth all the important people, makes them appear via party committee and either admit that they have like committed treason against Lysenkoism oh. yeah. and then be put on display and, and shown like to the public, yeah. or they rec or they say that they they won't recant essentially, and that they're either stripped of all their titles, fired. Or like sent to gulags and killed. I am not surprised at how that turned out. That is pretty much the party line of like. Yeah. Now that you've given this madman power, he's going to enforce it aggressively. Yeah, and then basically three thousand scientists were kicked out of their jobs or faced all their further forms of punishment, and including death. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course, probably. And then non-Lysenko books in literature Definitely, were not probably non-Lysenko books in literature were not taught, um, and they were also burned and destroyed. Oh wow. Um, and he decided that trees would grow better when six to eight acorns would be planted together. 
Oh god. <laughs> Forestry uh, experts disagreed with this practice, but then Stalin said that he should. This should be done with all of the plantings in the nation. Oh god. <laughs> Oh, no. Obviously, this was proven wrong. Eventually, his data started pouring in, and eventually, he stopped doing this. But that was like the thing for about six to eight years as they would use okay. these practices. Also, fun fact for anybody who may not be having a background when it comes to forestry: planting multiple seeds of one area doesn't always work <laughs> because then you basically increase the comp competition from two separate sources on the resources <laughs> that are small and. Very, oh my <laughs> shit. I'm so upset I can't remain silent. In, in 1952. <laughs> you um, bastard, stop. In 1952, two articles um, I posted um, showing criticism um, from uh, one of the top newspapers in the nation starting to signal um, a shift towards a, 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 a. They're starting to kind of get away with some, give away with some of his policies, right? Yeah. People in the Kremlin are yeah. starting to get a little bullshit. Uh, this is kind of bullshit. They're starting to push back a little bit. At what time um, is this? 1952. 1952. All right. So, so when did we? When did Stalin die? By the way. Shortly after. Um, I okay. Was like, so we're starting to see a general shift in the tone. Stalin's getting weaker, so they think they're realizing that some of these things yeah. you can push back on a little bit. Um. <laughs> so oh, you he's, he's getting weaker. Some of. The, well, I mean, his actions are not becoming weaker, but he's becoming weaker physically. Oh yeah, no, naturally. Um, and mentally. And mentally, um, some of the so some of the things that Lysenko had started to claim that were getting pushback were that he claimed new species for things could just appear within the same generation as they were alive. What? So he claimed that wheat could just turn into rye based on temperature and other conditions. No, absolutely not. And, and he claimed not. that oh, barley yeah. could turn to wheat in the same way. What? No. <laughs> I hate this man's <laughs> theories. You believe that the right environment could um could change something completely, um sort of like the idea that one bird could change into another species of bird if exposed to certain temperatures and conditions. What the fuck? No. <laughs> oh oh my god, I love the thought of it. Just like right now, it's a pigeon, but right now, all of a sudden, if I stick That's it in like this a... microwave, it'll. <laughs> it's like no, no. No, 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 no. I mean, but such, this is what he believes. Like, he believes it wholeheartedly, which is even worse, because this whole fucking thing is He's believing his own ass. bullshit. It's so, it's so crazy. Okay, but oh so, my God. two of these articles are talking about criticizing him, okay? Okay. So, in 1952. Um, of course, uh, this makes sense. Um, so, it shows some change of thought, thought uh, coming out. Um, but okay. the, then Pravda comes out in 1958. Oh, God, <laughs> uh, no. no. So, no, excuse me. There's an article that also comes out now in 1958 that shows kind of, like, some things where it's like, okay, well, these are all the mistakes that, um, Lysenko has made in terms of, like, science in the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. Pravda comes out and writes an article, um, defending him, um, spearheaded by the Kremlin, um, essentially showing that, no, 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 comrade Lysenko did not indeed do these things, and they go ahead and give him his seventh and final Order of Lenin Award. Seven? <laughs> Seventh where did, order where of Lenin. Where did two through six come from? I don't know. It's not important. He gets his no. seventh one. They're just throwing They're just it kidding. at him. Just take throwing, it. Take all of it. Just them. throwing medals at this man. It's like, They're, okay, so now this guy clearly made all these mistakes, and we're aware of it, but we're going to discredit it one more time and give him one more order of Lenin. Jesus Christ. There's like a factory out in like Kursk who just makes them. There's an assembly line. Yeah. <laughs> So at this point, oh, so it. Stalin dies, and he, obviously his favor goes down a little bit, but um, Thank God. in 1961, Khrushchev makes him the head of the, the Science Academy after um, Lysenko was fuck, after, Lysenko, after Lysenko was able to schmooze him over, essentially, and convince oh him that that was God. the right decision. God damn um, it. However, Khrushchev was a little smarter than, and more willing to change than Stalin because he only keeps that job for a year <clears throat> oh, after other scientists had the ear of him and, and showed him that it was not... Um, safe or um, smart for him to remain in that position. Yeah. In 1976, Lysenko dies. Um, the press is largely silent about his death. Um, Lysenko was denied the ability to be buried in the most prestigious Soviet cemetery. Um, is that the one like right next to the Kremlin? Yeah. He he yeah. his uh, kids protested for him to be buried there, but he wasn't. Um, <laughs> I want my father to be there with all of his dumbass theories. <laughs> Basically, um, the rep the reputations of all the old scientists that were um fucked up at that time period were restored. Um, of course, many yeah. of those um, after they've been long dead, um, and then Russia started to accept modern science and mm. genetics. Um, okay. The conclusions from this: um, facts and logic are not always able to overturn um, rhetoric on their own. So just because something is true or not true does not necessarily mean that it can be accepted as truth um, in, in a short amount of time. Sometimes it takes a long time for some of those things to be overturned, unfortunately. Because it becomes the popular theory. 
well, mainly due to the fact that you were aggressively shoving it enough to where you absolutely could just, without question, shoot down any other opinion that came through. Well, it kind of becomes a thing where it, you can kind of connect this to some modern thought because it becomes a thing in which the ideas are not as important as like what someone gives up to like follow them. Yeah. So if someone can lose jobs, family members, and things like that in modern life because of their opinions, it, it, that's all. The more someone lo- the more yeah. someone loses to believe in something, the harder it is to convince them that that thing they're believing in is not true. Well, ideally, at that point, because then it becomes a matter of like having to come to, and and you could say this with like QAnon, where mm-hmm. I mean, and yes, we're we're gonna bring this up. We're gonna cover QAnon eventually. I'm don't not worry. gonna not talk about these fucking people. Because the, the sad part is you have family members who just completely mm-hmm. sever every communication line. Because at a certain point, you're in the echo chamber so right. deep that you have a hard time coming to terms with the fact that what you've believed in for so long is bullshit. And that you've been taken for a ride. Right. And now you're just like, I'm a fucking idiot. Well, and no one wants to admit that to their inner selves. So like, it, No, that's it's, it's showing a vulnerability that I understand. It's hard to mm-hmm. come to terms with that. Because it's a scary part of you that you're never really willing to accept. But that's why, like, solely making fun of people and, like, calling them stupid or, like, just spatting facts in people's faces is not going to convince them to yeah, change their see, beliefs. That's, that's where I definitely agree with that, is, like, where people are like, look at these fucking morons. It's like, yeah, the people who start it are fucking morons. Right. But the people who follow it are following it for their reasons, and, God, I would hope that they wouldn't. The problem is you've now got a hostage situation of sorts where a person is self-destroying everything right. around them for some belief system like John F. Kennedy Jr. coming back from the dead. And that's why I believe that it's like it's important, as crazy as some of these theories are, to take these people seriously <clears throat> and to not condemn them for falling into some of these beliefs because humans... When we are, say take them seriously, we don't mean believe do them. Not, no, we're not saying believe the theories. We're just saying be compassionate when you're talking to or talking about these people because they are falling into things that they are don't. not necessarily... Are, well, not, not necessarily. They're not objective truths, and we all know this. Yeah. But that's not how we should handle these people because they're all humans and it's really easy to fall into conspiracy. Yeah. Easier than some people realize. Like Especially when it comes to like the, the nasty ones. When we're talking mm-hmm. like QAnon, we're talking white supremacist bullshit, misogynist bullshit. And we're not saying that like anti Semitic bullshit. All of these things that these the things that these people do are not good. Uh, I mean we're not saying that like actions taken by white supremacists and people who do those things are like are like okay. We're just saying that like, we need to understand. We would both be beaten up by white supremacists. Yeah, but fuck them. <laughs> exactly. I don't give a hot fuck so. But anyway, um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We're gonna do more stuff on propaganda. This was a little heavier than a lot of our episodes. Mm. Um, but we think that these sorts of things are important to cover and to understand, especially in today's society. Uh, because like think well, things like like Sankoism and like the uh, the <laughs> basically like, ignoring of modern science yeah. are kind of out there. Like these are things that do happen like in different ways in modern society with things like QAnon or other things. Yeah. Um, they're not going to go away. They've been happening throughout history, and they're not going to stop happening. And we're going to cover more of these along the way because I think they're important. And we do hope you learned something and kind of enjoyed this episode because as aggravating as this, it's pretty intriguingly interesting. Um, at least I think so. So. All right, and we want to make an announcement before we leave off on this episode. Yes. Next week, we are going to be doing a collaboration episode with... Uh, next week, we'll be doing a collaboration episode with uh, To Be Named. We're going to make you wait and see. Um, right, it's nice. a true crime topic. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, it's something Jake and I always wanted to talk about, but didn't yeah. want to do the research for. The people, the people who are doing this with us are extremely excited. So we would hope that you yeah. are able to tune in and get that when it comes out. When Lucas finally does his job when I go and, and put that the out. fucking episode. So it, it's, a, it's a fun one. Um, we know you're going to enjoy that. So uh, with that being said, um, you know you know where to find us on social media. Shout us out. Give us a recommendation or you know give us a rating. We appreciate that. Um, we hope you all are doing okay out there. And we will talk to you soon. Adios, podcast land. <laughs>